Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. We don't know what we don't know. And if we had a group of people that look just like you, we would only need you. But when you have different life experiences, you have different insights and different perspectives, they can often add value to you that you are just completely unaware that even existed. And so the diversity in the groups is paramount. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 93. This episode is sponsored by the Impactful Business Leadership Mastermind. The Mastermind brings together hungry entrepreneurs and business owners who want to scale their business, get their toughest problems solved, learn best practices, and build their networks. Learn more at impactfulcoaching.com forward slash BLM. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Aaron Walker. Aaron has founded more than a dozen companies over the past 41 years. He attributes much of his success to having surrounded himself with his mastermind counterparts. Aaron spent a decade meeting weekly with Dave Ramsey, Dan Miller, Ken Abraham, and five other amazing entrepreneurs. He is the founder of Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind that now hosts 20 groups with national and international members. Aaron, I'm so glad that you are joining me today. Very excited for this conversation. Hey, Naftali. Good to see you, buddy. Hope things are going well for you today. Things are great. And as I mentioned to you in our pre-recording conversation, a number of my friends are either current or past participants in your mastermind, have only the best things to say, which is why I'm so delighted that we are talking. And um, I actually want to just start there because, you know, I I run mastermind groups myself, but I'd love to hear from you and share with my audience, please, what a mastermind group is and why it's so valuable. Yeah, Naftali, I think that everybody makes it much more difficult than it is. It's really non-biased, trusted advisors. It's people that you surround yourself that can give you feedback, um, solicited oftentimes, but oftentimes unsolicited. They can help really encourage your superpowers and then also point out your blind spots and be willing to take you to task. And so I need that level of accountability and I've been able to experience it now weekly for almost 25 years. So without a question, they've changed my life. Wow, I love it. And uh, let's talk about that trusted advisors piece. You know, it's kind of interesting because when I first talk to people about a mastermind group, they think of it as coaching. Um, I have to adjust the mindset to help them understand that it's really peer to peer. But it seems like you've created this sense where People aren't showing up necessarily. I mean, yes, they're being coached, but they're also reciprocating. There's certain yeah. there's a certain dynamic there that's that's kind of unique. There's a real misunderstanding about masterminds today, and you really hit the nail on the head. It's not group coaching at all. And we've set up an amazing framework to where each participant is providing equal or greater than value uh, as a result of the sum of the parts of all of the members. Group coaching, they expect me to have all the answers, right? 10, 12, 50, 100 people come together and they're looking at me. But the real value is added because of the different perspectives, the different insight, the different life filters that we've possessed over the course of our life that we can add value. So we just present an environment that's safe and that uh, people feel a sense of 
letting the veil down. Uh, the facade is no longer, and they can share openly with you about their different insights. And so, yeah, it's nothing like group coaching at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I actually found it interesting, Aaron, that um, you know, when I'm talking to people. Oftentimes, they'll say to me, "Well." Do you have every? Do you have anyone in my industry? And more importantly, they want a whole group devoted to their specific industry. So, for example, I'm talking to a nursing home administrator, somebody in healthcare, right? Are you doing something? If you had a healthcare group, I would join. And what I often tell them is that while that would be great on some level, I, I see very frequently that people who are doing very different things from what you're doing have the greatest insight into your potential blind spots as well as where the opportunities lie for you because they're looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes that if you're in the work every single day and you're doing things similar to everybody else, you don't necessarily see that. You know, I was talking to Jeff Hoffman not too long ago, and he was one of the founders of Priceline. He's a multi-billionaire. And he said that 10% of everything he reads each and every day has nothing to do with any business venture that he's involved in. And I'm like, why would you do that? He said, you know, the irony of it is, is that 80% of his multi-billion dollar ideas came out of the 10% reading because it opened up new avenues. That's the same thing masterminds do. We don't know what we don't know. And if we had a group of people that look just like you, we would only need you. But when you have different life experiences, you have different insights and different perspectives, they can often add value to you that you are just completely unaware that even existed. And so the diversity in the groups is paramount. Yeah, and I love it. And, and the fact that you're continuing to be part of it yourself, you know, oftentimes we think that we kind of graduate, you know, whether it's you get an advanced degree or you've run a successful business, or maybe you even uh-huh. run a group like a mastermind for others. And so you feel like, why should I participate myself? Mm-hmm. You uh, never I'd arrive. Think, I'd love to get your take on lifelong learning in general. Uh, the benefits for you in terms of your day-to-day just and sort of how it serves and feeds you. Yeah, sure. So uh, 25 years ago, I was at the Curb Center in Nashville, Tennessee at a concert. And my friend Dave Ramsey was setting a few roles ahead of me. And he invited me to join his mastermind group. And I said, Dave, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. He said, just come to my office next Wednesday. I'll introduce you to the guys. I think you'll love it. So I went and I was very reserved at first. Uh, I didn't want to share because I didn't want them to know that I had issues in my life. I didn't want them to know that there were cash flow problems periodically and that Robin and I had my wife had disagreements and that my children always didn't behave properly. And I didn't want them to know that. So month after month, I would go to these group meetings. We met every Wednesday for an hour and a half. And then I started hearing Dan Miller share problematic areas and Ken Abraham and Dave Ramsey. And I said, not Naftali, I said, they're more screwed up than I am. I said, I really need this. This is a safe place that I can go, right? And so it allowed me to say, hey, we none of us have it all figured out. Everybody that's listening to this episode today, you don't have it figured out either. There's superpowers that you have in your life, but there's blind spots that we have. And they're blind spots, obviously, because we can't see them. And we need other people that know us well that can point those things out because that's what trips us up. That has put me on a lifelong agenda to grow personally, professionally, and spiritually, because you never arrive. There's always opportunities to learn. 
And I heard Darren Hardy say not long ago that he spends 10% of his gross income on personal development. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. So I went and looked at our balance sheet and my profit and loss statement. And I said, I spend more than 10% in mastermind groups and conferences, you know, buying courses, reading books. It's constant filling yourself with positive information that you can share. Like we don't learn through osmosis. And if you don't surround yourself with competent, capable people that can push you to new heights, we can't do it alone. We were designed to be in community, not in isolation. Yeah, I love it. And you talk about the blind spots, which is a big one. I know it and as a former school leader, I have a bunch, I had a bunch, and it created all sorts of challenges for me that I then had to work hard to undo, redo, so to speak, uh, but the other piece that you mentioned, Aaron, that I think is very uh, constructive here, and, and actually just came up, you know, I wrapped up a group a short, a short while ago, and the individuals who were in that group, these were business office leaders within independent schools. So they're surrounded by tons of people every day, but very few of them are doing what they do, right? Either they're adults who are the academic leaders or educators, or if they're kids, for the most part, and they've got a small office that they operate to handle everything from tuition and uh, federal programs or whatever they've got going on, but they're isolated to a large degree. And they shared as we wrapped up in the um, sort of like the feedback about what they gained out of participating. Yeah. They mm -hmm. talked a lot about it's, it was great to know I wasn't the only one. It's yeah. great to know that I'm not the only one struggling through this because more in many ways, I feel then the opportunity to learn from each other, which is obviously very valuable, the opportunity to get our, our problems solved and to have our blind spots exposed. It's just the fact that, you know, we go through life feeling alone. You know, you go on social media, you see all these influencers, they all seem to lead perfect lives and everybody seems to be killing it. And I know I have my insecurities. I know I have my limitations. I know I have my familial discord, my financial issues, whatever it might be for me, for others. But it's not a place out there where I'm going to share that, nor mm -hmm. am I going to get support. And yet I come to a place like this where I see other people have it. I see other people are struggling with it. We set goals. We work towards outcomes together. And it creates a pathway forward that totally changes my perspective on myself mm -hmm. as well as the work that I do. You know, you mentioned something that's very important and the pandemic has really isolated people more than ever, right? Before we were, but now we really are. And isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you really want to take your life to heights that you've never been, you've got to surround yourself with people that know you intimately. I had uh, breakfast with a friend of mine recently that was in a mastermind group with me for about eight years. And I told him that Robin and I were considering buying a condo in Florida. And I said, do you think that would be a good idea? And he goes, yeah, big A, I think that would be good. You've worked hard and you're reaching retirement age. And I think that would be good. And I said, well, the truth is you don't really know. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you don't know anything about my personal finances. Uh, you don't know anything about the intimate details of what it is that I'm trying to do. So generically, you can give me sound advice, but if you really want to specifically help me, you have to know the data. And that is true in all of our lives. If I don't know your propensity, I don't know your past. I don't know your filters. I don't know your spouse or your children. I don't know your financial condition. How can I give you advice? And that's what these masterminds do. It exposes you to the core 
And it allows other people to say, no, Nephtophily, I can't pronounce your name good. But anyway, I'm trying. I'm working on it, right? People don't pronounce my name well either. So it's all good. So the thing is, is that we need people around us that know our past experiences and what we're good at and our desires and where our lane of genius uh, is at, our transparency abilities, you know, how vulnerable we're willing to be. And I just find it amusing that we get into groups and we don't know any of this. And then we try to give people advice. Well, I'm too old now in order to play. I want sincere people around me that are transparent. They're going to call me out when I need to be called out, that they're going to say, hey, no, I don't think you can afford that right now because of this. I don't think that that will serve you well because your history tells me this. That's the value of getting around people that know you intimately. Now, here's the, here's the trick. This doesn't happen overnight. This is something that is long-term. This is something that you have to go into this with the mindset of giving and not taking. And then the natural reciprocity is going to come back to you 10x, right? If you go into it with the attitude of how can I help this member? How can I encourage them, edify them, lift them up, give them sound feedback and judgment? They can do the same for you. But that just takes time. You can't do that just out on the street corner with anybody And that's the reason you need to make sure that your core values align with the group that you're participating in so that you have some common ground. Wow. Yeah, there's so much there. And I'd love to go really, really deep with with a lot of the pieces you mentioned, um, because I think, again, I know we've been talking about mastermind groups, but a lot of what you're saying, Aaron, really speaks to the coaching work that I do, and I'm sure you as well, you know, really helping, you know, really getting to know a client, really helping them to see the totality of their experience and what they're trying to achieve. I call it the two A's, right? There's awareness and then there's accountability. First, right. I need to know what the, the issues are, let's say, what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And then of course, the accountability to get there. And if you are part of a group that creates that, both of those elements exposes the challenges for what they are and creates a pathway forward, that's, that's really gold. It's very special. And uh, it doesn't mean you're broken. You know, this is, I think, a big piece. A lot of people hesitate to go into something like this because they feel that it's an element of therapy and they, they kind of, uh, there's something wrong with them. And, and whether we need that or not, you know, it's a difficult thing for many people to approach. But if you come to masterminds, you've come to coaching from the vantage point of there's always room to grow. But think of your, your favorite athlete, your, um, the most successful politicians or others out there, all of them have people who are coaching them to help them to expose those challenges and also create new pathways for their success. Yeah, that's how we excel, right? We've got to have people in our corner to help us. We've got to be aspirational, yet we need accountability. And we need people around us that won't make us feel good and just hype us up, but people that will call out those blind spots and encourage us to push through those upper limit challenges. So since you've talked about growth a lot, Aaron, I'm curious to know how has your growth been from your very first mastermind the, one that you, the first one that you've started to where you are today. Yeah. I've, I've seen my own growth in a year and a half. I'm curious, you've done, you've done it for decades. Yeah. Far greater scale. Yeah. You know, my income has increased exponentially year after year from a financial standpoint, just simply because we're very aspirational. We created a program called come as you will be. And what that means is, is that you've got to present in front of your mastermind group, what your life is going to look like as though you have already attained it 
in a three-year period. Then you go back and we've got systems and processes in place to help you stay on task every single day to accomplish your goal. We've got accountability tools that are integrated into this program that help you achieve your goals. What we find is that the majority of the people have to adjust their goals because they've surpassed them because they've been able to focus intently on completing that aspirational goal. And so that is the way that we've grown. It's very intentional. I don't live life reactive. I live very proactive in everything that we do. I know what I want. I know how much money I want. I know where I want to go. I know what I want to buy. I know the people I want to impact and influence. And it's very intentional. And so we just teach people each and every day to live their life to its fullest, very intentionally and proactively. So let's stay there if you don't mind, Aaron, for a minute. I love what you just said. But I see so often that not just leaders, um, all of us, that folks you know, they have ideas, they, they, they have this general sense of where they want to go, maybe they throw some yeah. goals down on paper. Um, but they're so busy, so to speak, doing yeah. that they're not spending enough time planning, and yeah. holding themselves or re- referring back to those plans, referring back to those goals on a regular basis. Yeah. So speak to that, if you don't mind. And also, what are what are some strategies that you find that work for people who say, Oh, I don't have time for this? Yeah. Um, who can do it relatively quickly and at the same time get results that will serve them over the long haul. I think we've got to go back, Naftali, to what is important. We have to prioritize our priorities. And I get so tickled all the time hearing people say, I don't have time. What they are saying is, is I don't have time to live my life proactively and accomplish the things that I want to do. They're living reactively. They're just putting out fires. They're living somebody else's schedule And I chose 43 years ago not to work for somebody else. I wanted to work for myself because I wanted to be able to say, hey, I'm going to go to the lake today, or I'm going to play golf, or I'm going to work, or I'm not going to do anything. And I chose that, and I struggled the first few years as a result of making that decision. But I've been able to live my life the way I want to live it, not let someone else dictate it. Everyone listening to my voice today can do the same thing. you just got to make a decision what's important in your life. There's not a such thing as work-life balance. That's a myth. What you need to be is very out of balance. You need to really focus your efforts and energy in the place that you choose. And so if you will prioritize those priorities and spend all of your time there, put the blinders on, build the boundaries, and focus intently on the things that you want to accomplish, you'll be very successful. And so we do that very, very systematically, very methodically, and we're not distracted by the shiny object syndrome. I love it. Living life out of balance as, a, as, as an objective. That's really neat. Yeah, because I think, you know, there are a number of myths out there. That's certainly one of them, this idea that everything should be balanced. I think that if you are following your passion, but specifically you're very targeted and focused on what lights you up, you'll, you'll, you'll just feel it every single day and you'll, you'll feel the the benefits of that growth. And you know, there's very few things I find that are more rewarding, Aaron, than feeling like I'm getting to a better place, just the journey. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we we're all after the destination and that's great, but enjoying the journey is a big piece of it. You know, I remember, yes. for example, when I wrote my book, like it was finally there, I got the box, all the books arrived, you know, it was up on Amazon, wherever I was selling it. I'm like, you know, now what, right? You know, I got my doctorate, now what? And sometimes we just, we go after those goals yeah. And you get there, you're like, well, where does that leave me? But it's it was the journey itself upon reflection, you know, the learning, the work, the, the conversations, just becoming a different person 
that, that really made a huge difference. Naftali, if I could elaborate on that just for a moment, I would like sure. to. Uh, 43 years, 14 businesses later, I hate it when people with money say money's not important. Money is important, right? And it should be an objective, but not the only one. There needs to be a measure of significance along with the success. And back in 2001, a very unfortunate accident I was involved in. I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office. And it really reoriented my focus. My legacy would have been poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at age 27 and nobody cares. And I said, that's not what I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be, hey, because Naftali knows big A, Aaron Walker, my life is better. And I'm like pouring into other people, encouraging, coaching, teaching, masterminding. And then I'm seeing the transformational experience in the lives of other people that's going to change their family tree. See, if money is your only motivation, you will never be satisfied and content. You've got to select a bigger why. And when you have that purpose in front of you, you'll be energized and motivated each and every day to get up and do your task. That was very powerful. So let's go back since you you have this history of of starting uh, and running a variety of successful businesses. Tell me, Aaron, um, what would be some advice that you would give to somebody young or maybe not even so young starting a new business to help them get off the ground and, and, and enjoy sustained success? Yeah, well, what I would say to most young people today, and I was guilty of this as well when I was in my 20s and 30s, is I was always trying to make the sale. If you'll stop trying to make the sale and start adding more value, the sales will take care of themselves. And so I would just encourage everyone to make their first core value. Relationships matter most. And when you do that, regardless of the widget you sell or the service you provide, you'll try to add value rather than making the sale. Love it. So give us an example, please, of what adding value looks like. You know, at the end of the day, I've got, you know, these watches over here I want to sell or whatever I got in my, you know, in my inventory or maybe a product or service. So how do, let's clarify, if you don't mind, a little bit more about what you mean specifically by adding value. Okay, let's use your watch as an example. You're going to sell that watch and that's good. They'll be able to tell time. But what if you tell the backstory to the person that bought it? What if you give them instruction on how to maintain and take care of it? What if you give them instruction on what to do and when to do from a service standpoint? What if you give that to them, letting them know the effort and the energy that you've put in to do the research to make sure that the quality of that watch is going to surpass their expectation? What if you follow up with them in 30 days, making sure that the watch keeps time? What if you contact them a year from now and let them know there's opportunities to trade it in and upgrade to the newest and latest, greatest model and give them maximum to trade it in? See, what if you stay with the customer and make sure that it has, in all regards, exceeded every expectation? Now you've added great value. You haven't just sold the watch. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I, I, I see the difference, you know, whether it's an insurance agent or a mortgage broker or somebody selling a physical item, you know when they're engaged with you or you know when they see you just as another number. And that does really, certainly for me, it makes a huge difference. And those are the kind of people for the most part that I wanna continue to do business with. So let me ask you, we have a couple more questions for you in this segment. One of them is what is, you could choose either one, either the best or the very worst advice you were ever given. 
Yeah, the best advice I've ever been given is fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. People today are afraid of failure. They're afraid they're going to get out there and they're going to do something wrong. And I just don't really believe in failure. I believe that we learn and we can pivot and change. I couldn't lay in bed at night and think, would it have worked? I've got to try it. And then we can go out there and say, didn't turn out exactly like I'd hoped. See, for me, failure is in not trying, not in not succeeding. And so I just encourage everyone that's out there today to go for it. That way you don't have to wonder, would it have worked? And so my mantra is fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. Nice. And so since we're on the topic of failure and all great people uh, fail at different points, and that's in many cases, the opportunities that we have to become better uh, at what we do. I often say that I could never have written my book uh, had I not had so many challenges in my life as a school leader. So Aaron, I'm curious from your, from your experience, what was your biggest failure and how did you overcome it? What were the lessons you learned from that? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, the irony of this is it's not business related, it's personal related. And I had a lot of success early on in my career. Uh, came from a very poor family. At 27, I sold out to a Fortune 500 and I uh, had quite a bit of success early on. Not having accountability in my life personally allowed me to make some bad choices. And it took me years to recover from that. So I would say get people around you that you're accountable to on a regular weekly basis that are asking you the difficult questions that disallows you the opportunity to make bad choices long term. Love it. Okay, that was fantastic. So let's transition now to the rapid fire. And in this segment, the answers are short and sweet. The first one is a financial tip that you picked up from Dave Ramsey. Oh, you know, you know what that is. Pay cash, right? Don't borrow money. Right. You've right. got to pay cash. Okay. I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't live to that. The only thing I use for cash, honestly, is charitable contributions. Every time I'm in synagogue and I drop uh, some money into the, uh, into the collection bin or somebody comes around and collects, but I definitely think that is good advice. Sure. Uh, the next one, a neat thing about Tennessee that few people know. Yeah, there's four distinct seasons here. And uh, if you don't like the weather, stick around. It'll change soon. Nice. Okay. And finally, a productivity tip that helps you, Aaron, to get more done. You know, for decades now, uh, Naftali, I have started my morning through prayer, meditation, reading scripture, praying, uh, going slow. And I've done that every morning uh, of my career for the past probably three decades. And it really gets me focused for the day. Beautiful. I think the morning is so important. And I think some people just approach it the wrong way. I've tried to be very intentional with my mornings. For the most part, I exercise first, and then I go to prayer. I just it sort of works for me, wakes me up a little bit and then kind of move on from there. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so how can people connect with you? Learn more about, you know, what it is that you're up to. Obviously you've shared a lot already. Um, but I think, Based off of everything you've shared, I'm sure a lot of people want to hear more and, uh, and take action. Well, thanks, Naftali. First of all, you've made me feel very welcome and very warm host. So thank you for having me as your guest. I would love to interact with your audience. And if there's a need, you can contact us. The best way we do a program every Tuesday for free. There's no charge. And I teach. If you like more of what you've heard today, 
come to tuesdaynoon.live, L-I-V-E, tuesdaynoon.live, and we'll be able to contact you there, reach out, ask any questions, and we'll be happy to help you. But come, it's 45 minutes every Tuesday, and I would love to teach you on topics of how to go through transition, how to get unstuck, and how to have accountability in your life. Beautiful. That's that's an awesome way. And whatever other links uh, you provide, we will certainly add to the show notes as well. And so my last question, Aaron, you know, it's, it's, it's often um, hard for, for folks who have just been talking and sharing so much, but I know you've got so much in your reservoir. Please leave us with one final life lesson to wrap up this episode. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You know, when I was a child, my mom would come in my room every morning and raise the blinds and turn on the light and she would be joyful and happy. And I would say something like, mom, I can't do this or can't do that. She would not allow us to say the word can't. She had a saying that said, can't, couldn't do it, but could did it all. And, you know, I adopted that along with the other mantra for my life. And I've had that disposition and the attitude of, hey, I can do this thing, even titled the first chapter in my book, View from the Top, Can't, Couldn't Do It, and Could Did It All. So if the listeners would adopt that themselves and fear missing that opportunity more than they fear failure and have that mindset of I can do it because can't, couldn't do it and could did it all. You too can be very successful and significant throughout the course of your life. Wow. That is beautiful. Thank you, Aaron. That was, that was really fantastic. I, I usually don't do this, but I, just because I heard it the other day, uh, Steve Harvey was talking about, you know, oftentimes we, we, we deal with our our to-do list or just the things in our lives. And we say, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. And for the most part, those are not positive statements, but he said, think about it as I get to, right? Yeah. I get to go to work. I get to make money. I get to take care of my family. Not I've got to as a burden, but an opportunity. Yeah. Anyway, it's really been an opportunity for me. Very, very special. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, and I'm absolutely delighted to share it with Lead to Sixty Nation, my listeners, and everyone on social as well. Um, a number of people have told me to connect with you, and I'm so glad that I have. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being with me today. And um, I look Thank forward you. to deepening our relationship. Thanks, Naftali. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you around. Okay, bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 